Well, friends, over the last, the, the last number of months, not being here in the office uh, most days of the week where we're just starting to get back into the office mode this coming week, but not being here throughout the week, I have spent almost every day of my office hours on my front porch. Uh, ever since it's gotten a little bit warmer, my front porch has become my office, and I've got a little table out there and sit out there and write my sermons and administrate and have board meetings and, and the whole thing. It's just been, it's been fantastic. But one day this week, I was sitting out on my front porch, and there was a car that came down the street with incredibly loud music. Now, it was, it was unique. I, I'm not completely surprised when a car goes by with loud music, but this was not the top 100 uh, type of music. This was a very specific cultural type of music, and friends, I'm telling you, it was blaring. I mean, I mean the bass was booming, the car was shaking, I mean, it was just so loud that I couldn't even work, and so I just kind of pushed back from the, the table on the front porch, and, and I watched as this car came onto my street, and it pulled into a house just a couple houses down the road across the street from me. I was so curious. And, and I have to admit that in my mind I had this image of what, what the individual driving the car was. I, I, I thought maybe it would be a teenager or maybe it would be a young adult who would pull out. And I was so eager to see who it was that was blaring this music. And so I waited and I waited with expectation. And finally the door opened. And out came a very old lady. I, I was completely shocked. It was not what I expected. I did not expect an elderly lady to step out of her car and have blaring music. I didn't expect her car to be shaking. Maybe she couldn't hear. I, I don't know. But, but, but I wasn't expecting that. Because the truth is, is that in, in my mind, I had predetermined what should be, what the outcome of a person stepping out of the car should be because of my own experiences of the past or what other people have told me. How many times have I pulled up beside a car that was shaking and the music was blaring and I saw a young adult or I saw some teenager? I rarely ever saw some elderly lady blaring tunes. And so my past experiences and the experiences of other people predetermined what I thought the outcome should be. And when it wasn't that, I found myself incredibly surprised. We tend to go through life like that. We tend to, to have some expectations of how certain situations should turn out. We, we have experienced certain things over our life and other people have experienced things. And we come to a place where we determine this is what the outcome should be because of those experiences. But every now and then, we realize that we haven't accounted for all the factors. And sometimes there's an uncontrollable factor in, in the situation that we find ourselves in. And in those moments, we find ourselves quite surprised. This is especially true with God. There are so many times in our life where we face situations. And if we were to look at what other people experience, if we were to look at what we experience, we would immediately think this should be the outcome. This is how this should end. This is the way I should be reacting in this. But when you put an uncontrollable factor into the equation, when God is in our situations, then the unexpected happens because, friends, God is the God of the unexpected. Man, I'm sure enjoying preaching to a live crowd today. I want to I bring you to Psalm 23 because this is what we, we find in David's psalm in the second half last week. We began with the first couple of verses, but in the second part of this, we're going to see a God who is the God of the unexpected. And so you can either turn in your Bibles or look up at the screen, and this is what the Bible says in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. That's what we talked about last week. Then he goes on, he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David reminds us that God is the God of the unexpected. That God shows up in ways and in situations where we would predetermine what the outcome should be. We, we would, in a certain situation, think this is how it should end or this is how I should be. But he says that in these situations, when God is the uncontrollable factor, we can actually see an unexpected outcome. And he points to three situations, I believe, that he shows what the God of the unexpected is like. The first is this, peace in the valley, peace in the valley. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though, and th this is so important, this phrase, it, it, it means that there are people who are expecting something. I'm going through the shadow of death and there's an expectation, there's an outcome that should come about from me going through the shadow of death. But even though I walk through this, even though the outcome should be this, and he refers to this place that he's going into as the valley of the shadow of death. Many commentators believe that this is not literally a place of death. That this is... This is really an emphasis on a dark, dark season. It's a worst case scenario. A, a situation that just seems beyond your control. It's one of those worst case moments. It's, it's that moment in your life where you lose a job. And many, many have experienced that through COVID. And maybe you're watching online and you, you've experienced that. And you say, I feel like I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. Worst case scenario. It's, it's that place when your relationship ends and you, you've put all your eggs in a certain basket with that somebody and you, you've invested so much but the relationship ends and it's like, I don't know what to do. You're in the valley of the shadow of death. It's when you get the doctor's report and, and, and the results are not what you expected. You've been praying and believing but the results are not what you expected. It's the worst case scenario. The valley is the place where all you can see is hopelessness. All you can see is hopelessness. And this is what David says. When everyone thinks that I should experience fear in the place of worst case scenarios, when everybody thinks that I should be so afraid of the dark valley in the place of hopelessness, when everybody expects it, I will experience peace, the unexpected. Interesting story during the French War. There was a train that had, had to carry all these dispatches to the headquarters. This train would need to, in order to get to headquarters in time, would need to go 60 kilometers an hour with all the passengers that had prepared themselves to get to a certain destination. The trip that this train would have to go through to get to the headquarters was, was full of all, with all kinds of S-turns. And it was, it was a very bumpy and rocky ride. And so as the train's going 60 kilometers an hour, the passengers on this plane are feeling quite sick. Every now and then they'd feel the train shift over to one side, then shift over to the other side. And then there'd be moments where it would it'd feel like the train was actually coming off the tracks. 
And you could look around the, the, the cabins of that, car, that train and you would see people with this expression on their face, an expression that revealed their fear. Everybody was, was not ashamed of this because it was like a collective thing. It was a group thing. We're all afraid together because this train's going so fast and the, the curves are so intense that we, we fear for our lives every time the engineer turns a corner or goes over a, a, a body of water in the middle of one of the passenger train, train, or cabins was a little girl. And, and if you've ever watched a little girl who's just kind of oblivious to the world, that was this girl. She was sitting there and she's playing with her toys and she's talking to her toys and the train's swaying to the one side and swaying to the other side and she just seems to be so oblivious to it. And then she would stand up with her doll and she would start to dance around and she would start to sing and, and, and she was just full of life and, and she kept on laughing and, and playing games with the toys that were before her. And the passengers were watching this and they just didn't understand. I mean, every time that there was a gasp, every time that, that the people were holding on, white-knuckling it, this little girl was just having fun. And even though she was in the same situation as everybody else, finally one of the passengers couldn't take it any longer. He went over to the little girl and he says, sweetheart, can I ask you a question? She looked up and said, sure. He said, sweetheart, tell me something. As this train's going back and forth and over all these bumps, you, you seem to have no fear. How, are you afraid? And she says, no. He goes, how come you're not afraid? She looked up and she smiled and she said, because my daddy's the engineer. And I trust my daddy and so I'm not worried about it at all. You see... When we fully trust the person directing our lives, we don't need to be afraid of the worst case scenarios. This is so key, friends. When, when you trust the shepherd, when you trust the person who's in charge of your life, you don't need to be afraid. I, I mean, if you're a sheep and you, you've just kind of wandered from the shepherd, the, the, the shepherd's right here and, and you're a sheep and you've gone off in, in, into a path that, that the shepherd doesn't want you to go and you find yourselves in the middle of a dark forest and in a rocky place I mean you can be afraid because the shepherd didn't direct you there but when the shepherd is leading your life when the shepherd is in control of your life when he's the engineer uh, over your life friends I want to tell you something that, that the engineer is in control God is completely in control. Fear is typically equated with our circumstances. We, we think if someone's in our house that we should be afraid because there's a stranger. There's a stranger in our house and the circumstances justify it. Or, or maybe the terminal diagnosis, the circumstance has justified it. Or maybe a problem that's beyond our control, the circumstance justifies it. And so we think our circumstances justify our fear. Let me, let me share something really quick. When I was a, a little boy, probably about five years old, my, my sister, Michelle, she, she used to wake up in these panics. And, and I don't know if you've ever had a sibling or maybe even a child who wakes up and they see things that aren't there. My sister would wake up and she'd start crying and screaming. And my dad would rush into the room and, and he'd say, what's wrong? And she'd, go, she'd point to the ceiling. She'd go, look, boogeyman, boogeyman. And my, my dad would say, stop being so ridiculous. Michelle would be bawling, look, boogeyman, boogeyman. And she kept on doing this. And, and like night after night, he, my sister's waking up my dad and my mom because she's afraid of the dark and she's seeing things. And so one day my parents got a brilliant idea for them, but not for me. They decided that they would 
put my bed in my sister's room. And I would be the person that would have to deal with my sister. And it was so interesting. The circumstances didn't change. The darkness didn't get any dissipated. It didn't get brighter in the room. But my sister started to sleep through the night simply because of who was in the room with her. This is key. Your circumstances don't determine whether or not you're afraid or not afraid. But the person who's with you does. All it takes is having the right person in the room. All it takes is having the right person with you. You can face the most scary situation, but if you've got the right person with you, then there's no fear. We cannot change our circumstances, only whose presence is with us in the circumstances. The second thing I think that David points to with the unexpected God is that there is comfort near danger. He says this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now the rod was used by the shepherd to fight off big animals, a bear or, or a wolf or, or some animal that would try to attack the sheep. The shepherd had to take the rod with him so that when the animal came under attack, he could fight that animal. The question was not if the, the animals would be attacked, it was simply when. They knew that there was danger wherever they'd go, and that rod had to be with them. The staff was also used for those dangerous places because there were times that as the sheep would go, one of the sheep would try to go off into a spot that wasn't safe. It would go off towards a rocky crevice. And, and maybe the, sh the sheep would get so close to the edge it would start to stumble and the, the shepherd would simply reach its hook staff and pull the sheep back into safety. Both of these two items spoke of danger. They, they, they spoke of danger, and this is what David said. The two items in your hands, God, the rod and the staff, they speak of the danger that's before me. And yet, it's those two things that bring me comfort. The, these two things that speak of danger are actually bring me comfort. Now, friends, the truth is, is that most of us don't try to find comfort in dangerous things. Well, when you choose a bed, when, when, when your parents stop buying you a bed and it's now you've moved out and you buy your own bed, you try to buy a bed that is fairly low to the ground so in case you happen to fall out. You want to make sure that the fall is really low. You try to find a bed that has the, the proper amount of firmness. Some people like their bed super soft, others like it very firm, but you want it to be very comfortable. And you want to make sure that the, the pillows are, are nice and fluffy. You, you, you have certain requirements to ensure your comfort. But you would never choose a dangerous bed to find comfort. You wouldn't choose a bed that was two stories high. And you know, you have to climb this huge ladder, you know, up 20 feet so that you can lay up there. And it would be a cool view. But if you ever, like, woke up or, or were in the middle of your sleep and you, you rolled up, over not knowing where you were and you fell out of bed, that wouldn't be good. You would never choose pillows that were made of shards of glass. You would never choose a mattress that had all kinds of knives in it. You would never choose comfort from dangerous things. So the question is this, how is it that the rod and the staff, which represents danger, how is it that they bring comfort? You see, for David, he saw these two items as speaking of God's capabilities. 
It wasn't about there being a lack of danger ahead. There was a guaranteed danger on the path that the shepherd would sometimes take the sheep. A guaranteed danger. That wasn't the question. But the rod and the staff spoke of the shepherd's capabilities. Comfort comes in knowing that God is capable of dealing with the dangers along our path. Friends, I want to tell you that sometimes we fail to choose the paths that God wants us to be on because we know that they are full of danger. We know that they are full of risk. We, we are like Peter who wants to walk on water, but we're afraid to step out because we know that we could sink. We want to take down the walls of Jericho, but the army on the other side is pretty hefty. We, we want to do certain things that God's called us to. We know what he's saying, but we know that if we start to do it, there's great risk and there's great danger. And when we don't step out into the dangerous and risky places in our lives, not only do we disobey God, but we also rob him, rob him of his ability to show us his capabilities. You see, the rod and the staff speak of what God is capable of in the midst of the places that he takes you, even if they're dangerous, even if they're full of risk. One's capability should determine our level of comfort. I don't know if you've ever gone away somewhere south, but a number of years ago, Ainsley and I had gone to Cuba, and one night we booked one of the, the a la carte restaurants, uh, a Japanese restaurant, and it was so fascinating. We sat with about six other people, and we were around a, a Japanese grill. And it was, it was incredible because the chef came out, and he was very experienced in, in, in cooking this way. And he, and he took out some knives, and he starts cutting calamari and chicken and, and beef and, and different fish, and he's, and he's grilling it all up. And then there was this one point he did the craziest thing. He put his hand on the on the wood. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. And he took the knife and he just started doing this. And, and in me, like, I mean, I'm not talking about slow stuff, like, I, I mean, he's like, boom, 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 boom. And he keeps missing his fingers. And I sat there and just like in awe. But I was completely comfortable because I knew he had done it so many times. He had great capabilities. Now we've taken our kids to similar resorts. My daughter Briar has been to one of these Japanese restaurants when she was, you know, much younger. Suppose that the cook said to my daughter, you try it. And, and Briar takes the knife out and she goes like this. I would jump in, not a chance. Not a chance that you're going to try this. And the reason is, is because I know that Briar doesn't have the capability. She's going to cut off some fingers. One has the capability, one doesn't. The one that has the capability brings me comfort, the other one doesn't question is this. Are you noticing the capability of God in your situation? Are you noticing the capabilities of God? Because his rod and his staff speak of his capabilities to deal with every danger that comes your way, to deal with every potential getting off course, to pull you back in. The rod and the staff bring you comfort because you know that God is capable of looking after you no matter what. He finds he finds this comfort in the midst of danger. Lastly, he finds prosperity amongst opposition. This is one of my favorite parts of this message. Prosperity in the midst of opposition. David writes, You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anointed my head with oil. And then he says, My cup overflows. My cup overflows. Let, let's just break it down. 
Prepare a table. He's talking about a banqueting table. He, he, he's not talking about fast food, you know, just like, you, God, you prepared a little tray with me for me, and there's a happy meal, and ooh, I'm happy. No, he's not talking about that. He's talking about a big table full of fruit and meat and all kinds of breads. I, I mean, it, it is just completely full. It's full of abundance. He's been invited to a banquet, and he says, God's prepared a table for me. And then he says, God has anointed my head. And the, the language that he's using there has to do with a, a host and a guest. And what would happen is when a guest came into a banquet, the host would go to the special guest, and he would anoint the head of that special guest saying, you're a special one invited to this table. He says, God's done that to me. He's treated me specially. And then he says, God has given me a cup with a quarter, quarter of wine. No. Half a cup of wine. No. Three quarters? Uh-uh. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. David is saying that God has not just invited him to a banquet, he has not just anointed him as the special guest, but he has given him so much that his cup isn't just a little bit full, it's overflowing. He's speaking of the abundance of God. He's saying God brings about prosperity through my life. He, he allows prosperity. But friends, I'm, I'm not trying to preach a prosperity gospel, I'm trying to point something out. What, what he's saying is this, there are enemies sitting around the table. There are people who are opposing David, and yet God has set the stage that, that David is able to be at the banqueting table of the greatest host, that he's been anointed the special guest, that he has been given abundance in the middle of people who are trying to oppose him and ruin him. And this is so key. God can make us prosper when every opponent is seeking our ruin. This is so good. When people are trying to ruin you, when the enemy is trying to take you out, God can make us prosper, inviting us to his table, anointing our head with oil, and making our cup overflow. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give them life, and life to the fullest. He says that the enemy, the enemy is trying to take us out. He's trying to oppose us. But God invites us to his life table. He anoints our head with oil. And then he allows our cup to overflow with life to the fullest. When all hell is against you, it would be expected that you would end in ruin. But God allows you to prosper, friends. God allows you to prosper. I love the story of Joseph. Joseph finds himself in, in this, this room one day, and there are these ten, these ten older brothers who, who have come, and they, they are asking Joseph, an individual they don't, know, they don't recognize any longer. They're asking if he would provide some grain because the, the country and the surrounding area is in a great famine. These brothers are standing before him, and Joseph's holding back because the men who are standing before him, even though they don't recognize him, are his enemies. They may be his brothers, but they are the ones who've opposed him. They are the ones who want to kill him. They are the ones who want to squash the dreams that God had for his life. They are the ones that want to push him down. But the, these brothers are the ones who've sold him into slavery and just were so glad to be done with them. These are his enemies, and yet here is Joseph sitting in a place of power, second most powerful in all Egypt. If you follow the story, there's all kinds of turns and twists to the story, but there comes a point when all ten of these brothers find themselves one more time before Joseph in his home. 
And there is Joseph in this place of power. And these ten brothers are, are quite confused why they've been brought back in. And Joseph finally reveals himself. He says, I am the brother that you opposed. I'm the brother that you were the enemy of. I'm the one that you tried to ruin. I'm the one you tried to destroy. But in the middle of your opposition, God allowed me to prosper. God allowed me to prosper. He invited me to his banqueting table. He anointed my head with oil. He made my cup overflow. You thought you were going to ruin me, but God had purposes and uh, a purpose for my life. And friends, I want to tell you something, whether you're online or you're in this place, that the enemy wants to ruin you. He wants to cause you to, to, to live in the place of excuses where you say, oh, you don't know how hard it is, Pastor. The enemy's on my tail. The enemy's after me. But I want to tell you that when the, there is opposition, that God can allow you to prosper. Some of the greatest things can take place in your life when the enemy is trying to chase you down. Don't allow the enemy's chasing to be an excuse for you so that you so that you think that there can be no prosperity he invites you to his banqueting table he anoints you with oil and he allows your cup to overflow because god is looking for you to succeed for you to prosper in places the enemy would try to take you out let me, let me just speak this over every person in this place. Those of you who are married, the enemy wants to try to ruin your marriage, and he can come at you. But, but I'm telling you this, is that God will make your marriage prosper. I'm telling you that the enemy will try to ruin things in your home, but, the, but God will, can allow things to prosper no matter what the enemy does. He can try to ruin things in your workplace, but God can allow things to prosper. He's the great shepherd no matter what's going on, no matter what the enemy's doing, God brings prosperity amongst opposition god of the unexpected first samuel chapter 16 tells a great story david is not yet king he's just a servant in the king's house and saul has has really messed things up with god and 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 just walked away from god's direction what happens is god allows an evil spirit to come to saul and there's there's moments where this evil spirit brings torment and so this one day, Saul's being tormented by this evil spirit. He's in a foul mood. I mean, if you've ever had a boss, and please none of my staff say anything, but a boss that, that just, just, just is like in a foul mood, you just don't want to be around them. And the workers don't know what to do, and so they say we should get somebody to play him some nice music, and they invite David in to play the harp. David has defeated Goliath. He has defeated all kinds of enemies, and he's getting quite the reputation. And, and there are moments that David brought some calm to Saul's life. But in this one instance, as David is playing his harp, and he's playing Waymaker, and he's just he's coming across the strings. Saul starts to think about the, the, the young man in his room and all that he's done, and, and he starts to be, be, be enraged by jealousy, and he takes his spear and he throws it at David, and it just misses David, and David flees for the day, and he thought, that's so weird. Man, he was just in a bad mood. It must have been a one-off. But the next time David comes back in the room, it happens again, and David realizes that this is, this is not a one-off situation. It's rather the beginning of a journey. It's the beginning of a difficult journey. And while he's in this room, about to leave for the, the last time and, and go on a, a, a journey where he's pursued by the man who's just thrown the spear. What David doesn't realize is that he will find himself on a journey where it will feel like a valley of worst case scenario. 
That no matter how much he tries to honor the king, he'll keep finding himself in worst case scenarios. He'll find himself in places where he should be afraid. And yet, the God of the unexpected will keep bringing him peace. He, he will find himself in, in places where God will send him where it seems risky. At one point, he'll have to go into the enemy camp of the Philistines, and, and he'll have to pretend that he's mad, and it'll be, it'll be so ridiculous. It'll seem like, like God is sending him into these dangerous, risky places, but he places his comfort in God's rod and staff, knowing that God will protect him from every enemy, that he will hook him when he needs to this journey. And what David doesn't realize is that the very room that he will, he's about to flee from will one day be the room that belongs to him. Because while his enemy is in this room, God's about to prepare a table for him. A table that will be a blessing and prosperity and make him the greatest king in Israel's history. He's in the middle of a difficult spot, but he trusts his shepherd because his shepherd is the God of the unexpected. And now, friends, I'm going to ask that you'd bow your heads. I want to pray over you before we end our service that you would trust in the God of the unexpected. So today, as we end this summer series, God, we recognize what David recognized in Psalm 23, that you are not the God of the expected, but the God of the unexpected. I pray that, that you would bring peace in the valley. When everybody expects us to be afraid, you'd bring peace. I pray, God, that you would bring comfort in the dangerous places that you call us, the places of risk. Let us not avoid those places, but let us look to your rod and look to your staff and bring us comfort. When everybody thinks that we should be full of discomfort and we should avoid the dangerous paths, let us place our trust in you to see your comfort. And God, when all hell is breaking loose and the enemy is opposing us, whether it's, it's a spiritual attack or it's through humans, God, I pray, I pray that we would know that you are preparing a table, you are anointing our head with oil, and that God, you are making our cup overflow, that there is a, the ability of our God to allow us to prosper when we are opposed. So Father, may our May, may we trust you today, and may each person grab hold of the good shepherd, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.